Welcome to Urban Forum Northwest with your host, Eddie Rye. Uh, my first guest is uh, Lika Fernandez. She's the new director of the Washington State Office of Minority and Women Business Enterprise. And she has had a lot of uh, background to lead to that position. So Lika, first of all, welcome to Urban Forum Northwest, taking time out. We got uh, NAMC Washington Chapter President Bob Armstead in the wings, but we're going to go and talk with uh, Lika first. Why don't you uh, share with us a little bit about your background? And, uh, how, and then we'll wind up to your position now and how you got there. Sure, of course, Eddie. Um, so immediately prior to coming to the Office of Minority and Women Business Enterprises, I was a regional director with Employment Security Department working on workforce development programming. Now, what does that mean? That means that um, working to reduce inequities in our, you know, and make connections for folks, employers and job seekers alike, and ensure that there's alignment there. I've been in the workforce development arena for over 10 years, and that includes time when I was in my 20s of owning a small business. Um, I was a minority women-owned business, and I was a subcontractor in the state of Michigan. And I just got to tell you, some of the challenges that I was faced in that position did result in me having to shut my doors. Um, you don't know what you don't know, and you don't have access to things that you don't have access to. And a part of that is because of who you are and that's heartbreaking and that's a part of the reason that i'm here today because i don't want to see those barriers for folks continue um eddie we've talked offline about numbers and i am more than happy to share that our current state spend for 2021 was 2.8 percent i shouldn't have said happy to share i'm disappointed to share that it was 2.8 percent and if you want to I'm really sorry, would, you clear, would you clarify that what that 2.8 percent represents that represents all business um, or all um, state contracts for higher ed agencies um, that were um, contracted with minority women certified businesses. So smaller businesses owned by minority and women. Um, all the ones, all our own WBE businesses, that's 2.8% of those small businesses. That was the entire amount out of state spend. And it's kind of funny because it seems like uh, African descent of the United States enslaved, the Black folks have been here for 400 years. It seems like uh, we're the only ones, everybody else seems like they're trying to find a niche and maybe some people are getting some contracts. But what specifically did uh, African-Americans receive out of that 2.8%? Or, or 0.18, sorry, 0.18. 0.18. 0.18. Well, we we got to stop saying 1% to people. <laughs> 0 0.18. It's 0.18. And uh, Native Americans, 0.11. Mm -hmm. Those are the two lowest buckets in that category. Okay. So yep. now in that 2.8%, does that include uh, white females? It does. And that's the largest percentage. They're at 1.66% of that entire group. Same thing with the federal dollars, too. They're like Sound Transit, WashDOT, same pattern everywhere. But uh, everybody seems to be accepting it, except for some of us. But uh, what kind of uh, remedies are you proposing to uh, bring some justice and equity uh, to the agencies that are uh, performing so dismally. Yeah, um, I think, you know, we, we were able to have EO 2201 come out, and I really suggest folks look at that because there's pieces about accountability in that measure that's directly tied to my office and what we're able to do. A part of that is looking at spend, looking at where there's trends of, of where they're not improving, and being able to report to the governor on what's happening. Um, and with that in mind, we also have to provide these these agencies and higher head with resources and tools to be able to do, do the job right, which EO 2201 highlights. It highlights things like forecasting, 
you got to know what your spend is, right? You got to know what you're forecasting. How can you provide that information so folks know what's coming? How do you do better outreach? I'm sorry, outreach is not an ad in the newspaper. It's not. I look at people like Regina Glenn. They go to meeting after meeting after meeting. I've got an opportunity. I've got an opportunity. How do we get more folks to engage better, to share those opportunities, to be forthcoming with what's to come and to have better engagement with the community? Um, another piece of it, we got a lot of legislation that's coming through. Where's community at that when that legislation is passing and coming through? How do we get community better access in the initial stages of when things are coming through to make sure that those voices are heard? And I see my agency as a huge part of, of that. We need to be bringing community to the table early and often. And that includes things like the governor's subcabinet on business diversity. I want to see community at that table. We're trying to devise enterprise-wide solutions and community needs to be there. All right, and you sound like Jesse Jackson now, <clears throat> but um, uh, you know, you know, there are some individual, some organizations uh, uh, that would have you think that everything is fine with what's happening in Washington State, and uh, we know that quite a few uh, consultants are receiving money, and some organizations are, and they should. Anybody that's trying to help uplift our people, I support all the way. But it got to be more than just one organization. They just don't work that way. And if uh, that those organizations were doing so well, how come Black folks are getting 0.18% of the pie? That's like, that's a couple of crumbs. So, uh, you know, uh, to be honest with you, uh, and I'll let Bob talk about this a little later, but there has been a civil rights complaint filed uh, because of that kind of widespread discrimination. And I guess, I don't know, maybe Trump has had DOJ's hands so full, they didn't want to look at ours right away. But uh, so it's not like, uh, uh, you know, uh, and I said Bob can address this later, but I'm trying to figure out what kind of, now the governor's has signed an executive order. How will that ex executive order be implemented to include Black folks and other folks, Native folks who have been left out of the equation? Definitely. I think there, it's a two-pronged two thing uh, approach to that. One, we need to understand where were there opportunities lost, right? We need to look at that gap and identify that gap clearly um, for folks. I don't know if agencies really are understanding their opportunity lost to engage and contract better and contract with folks that they are excluding. Another thing is really looking at what are the exclusionary practices that are still occurring? I recently heard that um, sometimes contractors are required to give presentations. Guess what? I come from workforce development. Anytime you got an interview, do a presentation, there's opportunity for bias. How do we create systems? If you're going to practice, if you're going to put those into practice and play, how do you ensure that you know your own biases? You're putting yourself in check. So when it comes to evaluation, you know what that looks like a little bit better. Um, so there's a couple of things. And then that, that piece about bringing people to the table, I need to look at that and make sure that those voices are the ones at the table. The ones that are the most excluded need to be there, right? Those are the concepts of universal access. You got to look at the people that are bring, uplift those voices, bring them to the table, make sure that they're counted and included in, in, in the decisions being made um, for that. And another piece, you talked about these, there's some people getting large contracts. How, how do we unbundle that, right? Like, how does it need to be one person getting this large contract? Can we unbundle based upon region? Can we unbundle based upon other factors to give people more opportunities? Um, one example of that is I've been working a lot with DES and Office of Equity, right? DES is looking at their contracts for fuel 
and trying to unbundle instead of having one person that provides fuel for all our state vehicles, how do we unbundle that and look at region, look at regional contracts instead? Legal, let me tell you that uh, when a, a request for bid went out for the fuel contract, uh, uh, African-American, uh, as a matter of fact, his name is James Hasty. Uh, he played for Franklin High School, Washington State, and the New York Jets. And uh, they canceled the request for, for, for bid after they found out. And I have to have to assume it was because a black man was going to participate in a large contract and he wasn't the prime contractor. But all of a sudden, there's a way to, to, to you know, we don't know what happened. But that's why we were at 0.18% because people have all this discretion. And to be honest with you, because black folks historically for 400 years, we had 254 years of freedom. That's why we have economic power because of slave labor and died in every war. But at the same time, we are put in the pot with everybody else, uh, no reparations. And, you know, people can say whatever they want to. And a lot of new immigrants come here with the attitude that Blacks are less than. And a lot of them wouldn't be here if Black blood would have been shared for them on their shores. And I still have a serious problem today with black folks being in the military around the world defending everybody else's freedom, and they can't have one had place in voter suppression right here and economic injustice like you just articulated. So at some point in time, you know, there's got to be some equity. Now, one question I want to ask you before I talk, go to uh, have Bob take over. <clears throat> How is the governor's executive order being implemented? And have you seen any sub substantive change since the executive order? Um, yeah, so there's um, multiple things happening with the executive order. One, um, we're implementing a data tool called Access Equity to track subcontractor spend. A lot of folks in the small minority women business enterprise uh, arena are subcontracting. We need to be able to understand what that looks like. And at the same time, maybe start looking at things like prompt pay and other, other factors like that. Two, um, we have these things called the tools for equity. It's required to implement. Um, and we're tracking agency plans to make sure that they're doing some implementation of these, the forecasting, the outreach, other, other, other strategies that are meant to help reduce that discretion you were talking about and have structured approaches to some of these contracting opportunities. Um, and then finally, it's, it's, Sorry, I lost my train of thought there. Um, and then finally, um, building those reports and, and making sure the governor is aware of what's happening, really understanding what, what is happening in state systems. Um, I'm not trying to operate in a silo here at OMWB. I'm trying to partner with people. I'm trying to partner with DES. I'm trying to partner with Office of Equity. Um, we're not creating swim lanes. We're trying to all swim in the same direction, and that is to increase the diverse spend in the state. Make sure you uh, in include Aaron Nielsen Lopez in your in your circle of friends, because she has been committed and dedicated for a long time. I, I have to give her kudos. And also, uh, make sure you touch base and work closely with uh, Dr. J. That's uh, Karen Johnson, Office of Equity. Uh, so you want to do that as well. But uh, I, like I said, I, you know, it's just amazing. Point Blacks, 0.18%. And actually, I can remember the Central Contract Association, uh, Tyree Scott and folks closing down jobs. And uh, with Tyree, there was a significant number of Chicanos and Latinos. I don't know if any Hispanics were there, but uh, through that movement of uh, getting Blacks into construction, the building trades, how they become contractors, if they get out of trade, they can open, be an electrical contractor or another form of trades contractor. And uh, that's how El Centro de la Raza was a spinoff of that because uh, 
Uh, Larry Gossett was the chair of the, the supervisor of the black division of EOP at university in those days. And uh, Sam Martinez was uh, the chair of the Chicano division. And uh, the, those guys from the BSU went over to recruit uh, in uh, Yakima. I never will forget this. And none of them could speak Spanish. So uh, Jesus filled out an application and the brother went to Larry and said, hey, man, we got to let him in. This is Jesus. But anyway, that, that was like in the, in the, in the 70s. But so that, that relationship with, uh, like I said, my Chicano Latino brothers and sisters is still remain strong. And uh, but uh, I, I'm just really concerned with the fact that uh, some individuals and organizations are putting such a positive face on what's happening in the black community. And uh, after 23 years of no affirmative action, that's a good reason why we lost most of the central area of Seattle, which was predominantly black. Uh, but we know 50 years ago that move was going to be made to take that property back. So. Uh, Bob uh, was the architect of uh, the complaint that was filed, and I'm sure he'll share a copy with you because uh, everything in there came from uh, government agencies like their diversity st uh, re studies, uh, two private studies, all saying the same thing, that it was, we thought it was 1%, but I mean, 0.18, my goodness, okay, no wonder in Seattle, uh, black net worth is 23,000, white net worth is 243,000. But that's how you get to it. So, Bob, why don't you go ahead and share that insight with you as president of the Washington chapter of National Association of Minority Contractors. Bob Armstead, Grover Johnson, myself with the three co-founders. And things went kind of sideways. And I don't know what they were fighting over because 0.18% is nothing to, to, to get happy about. But anyway, uh, the three of us came back to the board and because this is a black, NAMC is a historic black organization. That's how it started in Oakland and in Seattle. Like the Black Panther Party started in Oakland. The first chapter was in Seattle. It wasn't an NAMC chapter, it was the Central Contractors Association. And one of the members in the, uh, from the Central Contractors Association uh, was uh, uh, Joe Debro, who was the founder of NAMC. And then uh, when Ron, Ron, uh, Ron Dellums got elected, he took it national. So, uh, but as far as I'm concerned, we is a historic black organization. It's open to all legitimate women and minority contractors. We don't turn anybody away. We work with government agencies. At our next meeting, we want you on there. It's last week. The last meeting we had uh, Donald Cravens Jr., the Undersecretary for the Minority Business Development Agency for Commerce. You you heard him present, right? Did he get you enthusiastic about doing some good things? Yeah, I can't wait to partner with them. We're gonna okay, do excellent well, things. Yeah, we're going to get him out here in the next couple of months. Okay, Bob. Uh, yes, Eddie. And, and actually, since we have the new director of OMWBE on, uh, if I could take a, uh, a moment and speak to some of the concerns that our M NAMC uh, members have regarding uh, OMWBE. Uh, the one that, that sticks out the most is that in the state of Washington, uh, the legislature, the agencies, the departments, they all look at the number of firms that are certified, not the number of firms that have business, not the ethnicity of the firms that have business. They just wanna talk about the total number of firms. But specifically, uh, recently, within the last three months, a couple of our members have come to us 
and stated that they have this real concern that because of the emphasis on numbers, that OMWBE basically has a processing mill to get people certified. And they gave as an example, a, uh, a woman who happened to be a white woman that got certified that had no background, experience, education, or anything else in the field that she got certified, that she was married to a person who had 30 plus years of experience in that area. And that was going to be uh, the nature of the business. Uh, those individuals went to OMWBE, identified the person, and requested that OMWBE take a look at it, which they did. And when they got back in touch with our member, their statement was, uh, we probably made a mistake, but it's going to take time uh, for us to decertify or uncertify that person if we can do it at all. So one of my requests to you is as you look at the so-called participation numbers of minorities and women, if you would say for the last 10 years, look at the number of white women-owned businesses that have been decertified, look at the amount of business that they accrued over the period of time that they were in, and you will see that the predominant amount of monies that are being claimed are with firms that never should have been approved to be in the program. So for us, certification is a very, very important issue. And we understand uh, the state's desire to say that they have a large number of firms. It is more important for us, for those firms to be firms that actually qualify and deserve to be in the program. Uh, if, if you say you spent $200 million with OMWBE certified firms and uh, 175 million you know, with firms that never should have been certified. You really are doing a disservice to the community. So we we have other things that we, we you know we would love to have a conversation with you about, uh, not in terms of uh, discrediting uh, the agency, but to provide positive information about ways to do things that will actually provide service and opportunity to the firms that are the firms that should be in the program. Now, Eddie briefly mentioned the fact that we have filed a uh, civil rights uh, discrimination and disparate impact complaints with the Department of Justice. And we have been working our way through the process. Uh, you have been in government long enough to know that when they want to stall you, they can stall you. Uh, but recently, uh, I say recently, within the last several months, uh, we have gained support uh, from some of our uh, legislative members 
and the responses have now started to come back uh, more frequently than, than just sitting. But as Eddie stated, in our complaint, we did not provide any information that we created for that complaint. Uh, we use state agency disparity studies. Uh, we use studies that were uh, performed or funded by nonprofit organizations and others from private industry. They all show the same thing. And, and what's so hurting about that, other than the fact that, as it is stated, the central area uh, is no longer uh, an area where 50, 70 years ago, you could only buy a place because the uh, predominant community didn't want you in other areas. But now, because it's so centrally located to the uh, downtown Seattle, where there's a lot of activity, that they've done things to uh, to take it away. Uh, and you, you look at the uh, economic condition and status of the various uh, ethnic minority groups and women that comprise the, uh, the population of Washington State, and you see the disparity uh, in wealth. And, but then you look at what has happened over the last 23 years, uh, where they, the state and all other agencies and industries in the state have used uh, something called I-200 to say that they had a uh, Bob, legitimate Bob, we're just, reason. We're just about out of time and I got John Birchie on hold He's going to be talking about the MLK event, but I, he's uh, the job training uh, uh, advisor with the city of Seattle. John, are you on? I see you're remote, you're muted. Are you on now so people can see what you look yes, like? Sir. Okay, uh, well, Bob, you know John Bercy already. And That's right, I wanted you to meet uh, uh, Lika Fernandez. And so uh, uh, Lika is the director of OMWBE. Uh, John, in addition to being with the city, is also one of the founders of uh, the MCLMLK Opportunity Fair. Uh, that's going to go off again this year, uh, where people, when they come from, remember Dr. King and how great and how hard he had to fight, hope they get rejuvenated because the same fight is waiting on them. Uh, but they'll be leaving with some kind of opportunity, including having re resumes updated. And now they can go and put them on their phone and go around and just drop them off to any prospective employer that's there. So I wanted y'all to meet him. So John, you hang on. Uh, so we got that. We'll uh, we're gonna wind up. We got about about two minutes. But I want Lika and 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 Bob. You can you guys can hang on as long as you want to. We have uh, John's gonna come on. Then uh, Sarah Sense Wilson and then Reginald Robinson, who's on of Altos, uh, Louisiana Cajun uh, seasoning and spices. So anyway, that's the lineup. So why don't you go ahead? We got about one minute. Lika, uh, if you want to go ahead and make a closing remark. Um, Bob, I just want to say I appreciate you informing of this, me of this, and I hope we get to connect more. It's it's sad. And, and I think under EO 2201, we did establish an audit and review team. And anything we can do to look at that and make it better, I want to do that. I want to do those things. So thank you. I'm, I'm closing, open and I'm listening. Thank you. In closing, Bob, please send her a copy of the complaint. Uh, I actually will. Okay, now we got to take a break, but y'all are welcome to hang on as long as you want to, because John got a lot of good stuff to talk about MLK. 
So we're going to take a break and come right back. If you can stay cool, if you can't, we'll see you later. Okay, Eric, let's take that break. Why sit in bumper-to-bumper traffic when you can hop on Link Light Rail and fly by the gridlock? It's a smoother, easier, stress-free way to get where you want to go. Whether you're heading north to Capitol Hill and the University of Washington or south to Columbia City, Tukwila, and the airport, Link Light Rail will get you there quickly and safely. And if you have an ORCA card, even better. Just tap on the yellow card reader when you get on and listen for the beep to let you know your card has been accepted. Then tap your card reader again once you've reached your destination and listen for the double beep to let you know you've tapped off correctly. To find the closest Link Light Rail station or to learn how to get an ORCA card, just go to soundtransit.org and type Link Light Rail into the search bar. Sound Transit's Link Light Rail. Just another way that Sound Transit is powering progress. Hi, my name is Mian Rice, the Diversity and Contracting Director for the Port of Seattle. As a public agency, the Port of Seattle serves the community, and our investments should benefit everyone who lives and works here. The Port is committed to equity, diversity, and inclusion, and to leveling the playing field. That means continuing to open doors to contracting opportunities to all, especially women and minority-owned and disadvantaged businesses. How can you participate? List your business in Vendor Connect, a database of contractors. Attend PortGen workshops to learn how to do business with the port. Learn more about contracting opportunities at portseattle.org. For more information on operating a concessions at Seattle Tacoma International Airport, visit lease.ctacshops.com. Miss a show on KKNW? Check out 1150kknw.com for podcasts of many of our programs. That's 1150kknw.com. All right, Eddie Ride back at the Urban Forum Northwest. Uh, John Birchie was introduced uh, already, and he, uh, since he had could gain a lot of inf- insight and information from Lee Fernandez and Barb Armstead, because he is going to be the person that's training these folks to go into the trades. But on this segment, we want to talk about his involvement with the Seattle uh, MLK uh, Organizing Coalition. For years, was known as the Seattle King, uh, Seattle King County Martin Luther King Celebration Committee. And this is the 40th year of this uh, annual event. I mean, naturally, COVID, you know, got us, but this is the 40th year. I remember in 1983, we had the first march was a protest because the city of Seattle wouldn't put up the Martin Luther King Jr. Way signs on a street whose name had been changed because some folks had filed a lawsuit. They'd end up going to state Supreme Court. We won anyway, but that was in November of 83. So uh, 40 years later, and most recently, some innovative things have been happening with uh, this technology. So I'll turn it over to John Bershey right now, one of the esteemed co-founders of the Opportunity Fair and a member of the MLK Organizing Coalition. Go right ahead, John. And proud to be, to be honest with you. And um, um, I know you have some swagger, Eddie, but I do um, appreciate your humility in this particular case, not giving yourself the credit for, you know, Eddie, Rye, and, you know, Hayward Evans really realizing like, hey, we're celebrating Dr. King on this day. We all take the day off work. Most of us use it to take a nap or go fishing. Um, but there's a lot of people in our community who take the day to make sure we remember the life and the work of this man and the people that surrounded him in many communities around the whole country. Um, 
and boy, we just have such great appreciation for those folks. Um, but it was really Eddie and Hayward that said, hey, while we're celebrating this life and this work, let's do the actual work. We're not done with that work, clearly, after all this time. So let's continue that work and make sure on that very day, while we're marching and celebrating, that we also provide economic access, economic opportunities to our local brothers and sisters that live in our town right now who are having a hard time and need access to opportunities. So indeed, we began to build this extra addition to the MLK Celebration Day, and it's called an Opportunity Fair because it's more than just a job, right? We try to give people access to opportunities, whether that's training or jobs or resume support um, or even connections to mentors or guidance for their own you know, pathway and what they want to be their career. So all of those things happen on that day along with workshops and several other things that happen on that very day. So the morning of, it'll be January 16th, I think this year, come 2023, that we'll celebrate that day. We'll be um, down at the high school as we usually are. Um, Garfield, Garfield. Yep, down at Garfield High School, right at 23rd and Cherry. So, um, you know, this is our kind of shout out to, you know, who's ever listening and beyond you then let the word get out to your daughters and your sons, to your uncles and aunts, to your sisters and your brothers, and let folks know that that day we'll all be gathering together and trying to create opportunities for each other so you have some access to those. Well, you know, uh, there's also a, a rally in the Garfield Gym and let people know that uh, this uh, past August 27th, Garfield celebrated the centennial two years later because of COVID. Uh, so it was a very illustrious affair for that school. But John is also the rally and then the march. And then uh, this year, there's going to be a difference in terms of, uh, of uh, the food service. Uh, I, I guess it's being debated right now whether or not there are going to be food trucks. And I, that, it worked well for the Garfield Centennial uh, celebration. So I'm sure it worked well for, uh, uh, and then that also keeps people from being at congregated when you're outside, you know, it's one thing. But hopefully everybody's had their booster and their flu shot so that you know, no one will get past anything on or get anything. So, uh, who are some of the leaders in, uh, in of the some of the committees with the CLMLK? Well, there's our committee. There's another committee that runs workshops. So, information that you might need or want to get. There's several workshops that'll be offered that morning. Um, like you said, there's the rally. So, some elected officials will be there and and make that connection for the day. Um, are those the different kind of committees that you're talking about, Eddie? Yes, I am. Yeah. So uh, now in terms of uh, the Opportunity Fair, folks, got they can come and get their resume updated. And now the technology is so that they can put the resume on their iPhone and go around to various uh, employers and just drop off the information right that while they're there. And then I think uh, two years ago, there were quite a few jobs uh, that were given out that same day. And can you remember the number that was like 78 people got hired? I don't think we had 78 hired that day, but I think that was the number of folks that connected to have access to the next step, whether it was an interview or yeah, visit in person or yeah, a tour to make sure that they were connected uh, beyond the fair. And that's our goal really is to is make sure people are able to make that connection. So then when the fair is said and done, they're sitting in an interview that next week or soon thereafter. Well, I want to let you know that I put uh, the link, uh, uh, the website address underneath your picture on Facebook. So uh, it, it's on my Facebook page, www.seattlemlkcoalition.org. Is that correct? 
It is. But you can go and check that out. So in terms of uh, any major developments, any speakers, uh, the next meeting, and how can people, well, I guess they go to the website and get the information. But when is the next meeting going to be? Um, that's a good question. I was hoping that you were going to know that before <laughs> me. We're, uh, we're, we're picking up the pace and usually meeting on Tuesday evenings. And virtual, obviously, is an option there, too. Um, but we can get back to your followers with that, too, and or put that out on Facebook for them. Um, but yeah, if anybody's interested in helping us with our committee working on the opportunity fair piece, um, you know, they can reach out to me. I can leave my number or my email address. Um, well, yeah. Alika, you hear that? <laughs> I'm sure we have OMWB there. I'm sure of that. So anyway, well, I'll get that word out too, John. So okay. thank you for what you're doing and uh, you're welcome to hang on. We're going to go to Sarah Sense Wilson, the founder of Urban Native Education Alliance. Uh, 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 Sarah, are you there? Uh, yes. Okay, okay. So how are you doing and what do you have cooking? All right. Well, Han, I'm Petu Washte, Metakiapi, Hayetu, Chante, Ma Washte, Koki, Papeye, Sarah Sense Wilson, Imachi Apie, Ma Ogalala, Lakota, Oyate. Um, Pila Mayaye for inviting me back. I always am very appreciative of the opportunity to share about UNEA, Urban Native Education Alliance, and what we're, um, what we're doing in the here and the now um, with our community. Um, as a little background, UNEA is a grassroots, volunteer-based, student-centered, and we are grounded in um, cultural practices and values. UNEA is the largest and longest running community-based organization supporting Indian education in Seattle. Uh, our vast contributions towards improving education, um, educational success for Native students is attributed to our holistic approach. And we provide students and families with academic support, tutoring, mentorship, cultural activities, um, and most, uh, you know, most recently in the last year and a half, we um, have been, well, actually the last two and a half years, we've been um, building on our success with our Clear Sky Academy, which is an academic um, course offered in partnership with Yellowwood Academy, which is a private school, and UNEA. Um, we we do we are working also we just got back from washington dc where our we brought us a, a group of students our new cohort of leadership um to dc to do a tour uh, of all of the important museums and also most importantly um the dedication of the veteran the native american veterans memorial and that was a really a, a powerful event for our students to witness. And, um, you know, we did we did a lot of um, we went to the African-American Museum, the National Museum of American Indians. Yeah, we did. We spent a lot of time um, making the most of of what little bit of time we had there of learning and taking in as much as possible. and. Um, so these opportunities wouldn't happen, you know, without the support of our partnerships and 
you know, the King County um, Best Art for Kids, which is one of our biggest funders to support this work. But um, yeah, so we, we have a lot going on always. And um, we have also another project that we're working with our students and some professionals and mentors that's called Carrying the Medicine. And the Carrying the Medicine project is really about teaching our youth how to archive and how to document and do interviews to capture history and to learn about our community through the lens of our community and our elders and historians. So, you know, we, we are, we're doing a whole lot right now and it's, uh, you know, it's, it's pretty exciting to be honest. I look forward to every session with our students and every opportunity that we have in working closely in building those relationships with our students. So where, as a, where are you as the students housed now? We're at North Seattle College. Okay. And so we're, we continue to, kind of, to deepen that um, MOU relationship with the North Seattle College. And we're hoping to actually have an MOU that's, that's with the district, not just North Seattle College. Very but yeah, we're there anywhere from um, three to four times a week, in the, mostly in the evenings. Okay, well, you know, um, I, I have a meeting coming with the superintendent. I'm going to have to ask him about uh, what's going on with, with Sarah Sense Wilson. Yeah, I would love that. We are still waiting for the, a partnership to be drawn up. Uh, there was conversation this last, uh, uh, in the summertime, about addressing some of the transfer credits that were um, becoming, I guess, problematic uh, from the standpoint of the Seattle Public Schools not accepting the credits that were offered, um, even though they accept all credits, you know, for Yellowwood, otherwise Yellowwood Academy. So uh, this partnership agreement would really assist us in bypassing all the bureaucratic, uh, you know, walls and hurdles that are currently in place. Because right now when our students take our class, they have to fill out copious amounts of paperwork and get approval from two different sources within the district before it gets approved finally by the um, higher up at, uh, curriculum and instruction folks. So it's, Have you it's, offered any suggestions to them on how they could expedite the process? Yeah, so they actually um, gave example of they do have a partnership with another org community-based organization that does language um, credits. And um, so we're not doing language credits, but what we're providing is uh, right now we're doing American Indian art and culture. And um, it counts as a fine arts credit. And um, so, and this is again, you know, in partnership with Yellowwood Academy and there they have an educator, certified educator on staff that works with us and works with our students. So everything is, is legitimate and has credibility. We have our curriculum, we have our um, lesson plans and our units of study. And, um, and we manage all that with, 
the perspective, the indigenous perspective. We have elders in the classroom. We have elder teachers that come in and, and teach and give um, instruction. So, cause it's not just like an example of um, some teachings is that our students are learning. It's not, they're not just learning how to make a drum, the mechanics of it, but what they're learning is how to the cultural protocol of how to care for the drum what are some of the stories behind the drum? How do you caretake for the drum? What, um, you know, just those connections, this, the origin story of the drum, all of these things. And then they're learning us, they're learning songs. And the songs, you know, have carry history. And um, so it's, it's not, just the mechanics like of going to a, a let's say music class and playing the trombone mm. you know this is when they learn um about the drum and they learn about these songs and how to sing them and where they come from and what's the meaning it all of those things you know are meaningful for our our community, for our kids, for their spiritual um, strengths, for their being grounded in their culture. And um, it, it's really profound just to see the change in the students that partake in our class. They, a lot of times they, um, they have never done this before. They, a lot of the students, because they're, you know, second, third generation urban Indians, Right, so right. Our students are foster kids, adopted. They have not had the cultural connections. Well, Sarah, we got about one minute. Uh, is there anything, a uh, parting message you want to leave with us? And you know, you're always welcome to come back. Yeah, parting message would be, you know, for sure, emphasize with the superintendent that there needs to be uh, ex, uh, uh, you know, a foot on the gas pedal, accelerated effort to um, deepen the partnership. Furthermore, there's still many problems with the district and Indian education. We're seeing a lot, again, barriers being put up. We're seeing that there is uh, territorial kind of attitudes about how information is shared. Um, we're seeing problems with, uh, you know, things that, the, like, all students should have access to our program. Okay, we, well, here's what I was just, as we're out of time. Why don't you put those concerns down and send them to the superintendent? Okay. And then that way things are on record. So Sarah, thank you very much. And I'll talk with you offline. All righty. All right. Thank you so kindly. Have a okay. wonderful day. Thank you. Okay. Thanks, Sarah. Okay. We're going to take a break and come right back uh, with uh, Reginald Robinson, the owner of Alta's Louisiana Cajun Seasoning and Spices. Hi, my name is Mian Rice, the Diversity of Contracting Director for the Port of Seattle. As a public agency, the Port of Seattle serves the community and our investments should benefit everyone who lives and works here. The Port is committed to equity, diversity, and inclusion and to leveling the playing field. That means continuing to open doors to contracting opportunities to all, especially women and minority-owned and disadvantaged businesses. How can you participate? List your business in Vendor Connect, a database of contractors. Attend PortGen workshops to learn how to do business with the port. Learn more about contracting opportunities at portseattle.org. For more information on operating a concessions at Seattle Tacoma International Airport, visit lease.ctacshops.com. 
Why sit in bumper-to-bumper traffic when you can hop on Link Light Rail and fly by the gridlock? It's a smoother, easier, stress-free way to get where you want to go. Whether you're heading north to Capitol Hill and the University of Washington or south to Columbia City, Tukwila, and the airport, Link Light Rail will get you there quickly and safely. And if you have an ORCA card, even better. Just tap on the yellow card reader when you get on and listen for the beep to let you know your card has been accepted. Then tap your card reader again once you've reached your destination and listen for the double beep to let you know you've tapped off correctly. To find the closest Link Light Rail station or to learn how to get an ORCA card, just go to soundtransit.org and type Link Light Rail into the search bar. Sound Transit's Link Light Rail. Just another way that Sound Transit is powering progress. Talk radio that will get you thinking. Alternative Talk 1150. All right, Eddie Ride back at Urban Forum Northwest. Before we go to Reginald Robertson, I want to thank the City of Seattle's Purchasing and Construction Services Department. Uh, Jesse Gilliam is uh, the acting director. Liz Alzer retired. Sound Transit's Office of Civil Rights, Equity, and Inclusion with John Tay Robinson. The Port of Sales Diversity Contracting Office, me and Rice, Lawrence Coleman, and Josie Regan. And my friends out on Concourse A, the SeaTac Bar Group, LLC, that own the Africa Lounge and the Mountain Room Bar. Uh, my next guest is the owner of uh, uh, Alta's Louisiana, Louisiana Cajun Seasoning and Spices, Reginald Robinson. So how you doing, Reginald? Hey, how you doing, my brother? Okay, so do people still have time to get those turkey stuff with wild rice or with uh, shrimp before Thanksgiving? Yes. yes, sir. Everything is still there. We, you know, we we bringing a lot of new stuff in. We getting them now with the boudin stuff in them, and just a bunch of different new products we bringing in stuff stuff that's being created in the south, and we just started bringing it on up here. Uh, give us some run rundown that menu of things that you're bringing in. Yeah, we uh, like I said, we do boudin. Boudin is one of our number one things we sell it at our store right now. We also cook it there too. And boudin is a it's, it's a sausage, basically with like jambalaya up inside of it. So basically, all you do is you thaw it out. They come in links. You thaw it out and you just drop it in the water and boil it and stuff. And uh, we sell a lot of we and we also give samples out there and stuff. So we introduced in Washington to a new type of food that they're not familiar with to call the boudin. And so, but yeah, we bring in a lot of new product up here. Like I said, we got the stuffed chicken stuff with rice and crawfish, rice and shrimp, pork chops stuff with rice and shrimp, all that different types of stuff. Uh, greens, uh, butter beans, the COPs, purple hooks, all Southern stuff, you know, a good Southern meal. Well, uh, now I, I have to tell people you're not a restaurant, but uh, you also can get shrimp and grits there, right? Yes, sir. We have the shrimp, shrimp and grits in the bag and you basically on a, you just put them in the microwave. They got shrimp grits and bacon and some garlic sauce in them stuff. And uh, you put them in the microwave for eight minutes. Same thing. We got mac and cheese with shrimp, Alfredo with shrimp, and chill. You know, it's just a no-brainer. It's just southern food that's already prepared up and stuff, and you just basically throw it in the microwave. Same thing with our breaded catfish, already breaded up. We got gumbo in the gallons of pints and stuff. And we ship that from Louisiana up here and stuff. And it's already made up. Basically, you just throw it out warm it up, cook some rice, and you're eating a good Southern meal. So now you said, now Thanksgiving is like next Thursday, but you you got you got a stockpile already, right? Yes, well, we got a trucker being here Tuesday. It's on the way here now. I just talked to him this morning. It's in Dallas right now. So Tuesday we'll be getting our new, uh, a bunch of our product coming in. So yeah, 
after Tuesday, I mean, come on down this weekend and if you if you're in, you know looking for some stuff, cause just come on down and stuff because we'll have some stuff there this weekend though. But yeah, Tuesday, uh, our truck will be in Tuesday sometime Tuesday. Well, I'll be there Wednesday morning. Okay, I know you yeah. always there. I appreciate the love and the support <laughs> I, you and your family, man. <laughs> I'm telling you, that was uh, I could almost eat one of them turkeys by myself. The a turkey breast stuff with wild rice. You talking about good? And all you got to yeah. do is just put that bad boy in the microwave. It's good. So now, uh, Reginald, how long have you been in business out at Altus and Kent on Meeker Street, right? Yes, sir. Two hundred one East Meeker. We've been in business now, man, going on seven years now and stuff. In it, you know, we got a lot of new stuff that's getting ready to come in too. We got this purple rice that they grow down in Louisiana. It's a new thing down there. And it's good for people who got who are diabetics and stuff like that and, you know, uh, no cholesterol and stuff like that. And if you're trying to watch your weight and, you know, if you got medical issues and stuff, this is a good rice for you and stuff. And it tastes just like rice, but it's purple. And it's called purple rice. And the the, the ship the, the ship will be in. Uh, give our, our listeners some kind of idea of what you have coming in. Uh, yeah, like I said, we got catfish. We got uh okra we got breaded okra we got hush puppies we got um man all different types of sauces we got double d sauces we got uh Conecuh sauces out of alabama we got down home out of north louisiana around shreveport oh that's where i'm from <laughs> huh i'm from shreveport yes sir that's your neck of the woods man <laughs> so. yes 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 now yeah. I'm, I'm trying to figure out now do you do any kind of contracting like the, uh, like the director of the Office of Women and Minority Business Enterprises on the line right now listening to you. So do you do any business with the state or anything like that? Right now we have not because it's been a challenge for me just trying to get, uh, you know, just just keeping it running myself right now. But I am definitely open and love to talk with some of those guys and get some contracts and stuff, you know, some different things and work with them and stuff like that. Now we do a lot of charity stuff. We donate to a lot of different charities and stuff like that, you know, cause I'm all about giving back to the community and stuff. So, but uh, yeah, we do a lot of different charity things, but yeah, to anybody with the state or anything, you know, need things or need us to support or uh, whatever the case is, give us a call. We'd love to do business with you. Now, uh, Lisa, uh, I mean, Lika, does he have to be certified? Uh, the what now? Repeat that. No, no, the direct director of the office of minority women business enterprise on the line. I was asking her if you had to be certified to sell your products to any state entity. No, you don't have to be certified to sell your products. We like you to be certified so we can include you in our diverse spend. So you you don't have to be certified one, to sell your make products. Make it 0.19. <laughs> okay. Yeah, and I would like to connect with her and stuff. Uh, after this is over, I'll get if you can give me her number and stuff, her email, and I can definitely connect yeah. with her and stuff like that and stuff and see what we can get. So love to work with them and stuff. Lisa, have you ever, I, you ever go through Kent? I haven't, but I'm coming now. Everything <laughs> y'all are talking about food's one of my favorite things. This sounds delicious. Now, Reginald, when she gets out, of it, make sure you get a get a, a, a pick with her so you can put it up in in, in the Absolutely. store. Let people know that the director of the Office of Minority Women Business Enterprise was patronizing you. So we need to hear that. I would love that. We definitely would do that, man. You and we all about our black businesses and stuff like that. So you know and. And another thing, I know we got to go, but at the same time, man, we are the only black-owned Cajun grocery store in Washington and Oregon State. So we break in history in that way, you know, itself. Just be, we're the only store that sells everything from the South. The only one. 
Man, that, that's that's something. Well, I'll tell you one thing. You have to get certified in Oregon, too. <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> exactly. But uh, like I said, how you doing on your slap your mama's season? <laughs> well, uh, I still got it. You know, when your brother's out there, I got two big bottles. So I, I, I you know, and I haven't done a whole bunch of queuing because the weather's been not cooperating. As a matter of yes, fact, sir. I don't my beer. I got to get two new barrels. I wore them suckers out. So, uh, but I sure appreciate you. <laughs> So, Reginald, thank you very much. Bob, you and uh, Lee can hang on for one minute to give a closing remark. So, thank Reginald. Okay, appreciate I, you, man. And I'll see you Wednesday morning. Okay, sounds good. You guys have a wonderful Thanksgiving. Bye. Okay. Okay, yeah. So, anyway, you started the program, y'all. Is there anything? We got about about two minutes left. So, is there anything you want to say, Lika or Bob? Uh, first, okay. I'd like for you to repeat the name of this business and the address. Altas, A-L-T-H-A, apostrophe S. Louisiana Cajun Seasoning and Spices. And it's on, uh, I think, 2nd and Meeker in Kent. Just don't go on their Facebook page right now, Bob. It's going to make you hungry. <laughs> so you checked them out already, huh, Alicia? <laughs> I added that like real quick. <laughs> so you're going to definitely become a customer, huh? <laughs> yeah, that sounds good. That sounds good. Well, Lika, Eddie, and I are both from Louisiana. <laughs> Yeah, from a long time ago. <laughs> but you never forget when you came. That's right. I'm from Flint, Michigan, y'all. So oh, <laughs> not yeah, quite there, had, but you had I, dirty water, huh? We had that dirty water. It was still going on too. Yeah, well, EPA said they're gonna stay in Jackson, Mississippi until the people can drink the water. I'm sure glad to hear that. But anyway, uh, Lika, we want hope hopefully that you'll be becoming a NAMC member. And uh, you got to be members of all the other organizations. I understand that. But uh, I got to tell some people that are touting certain things until the numbers show that we're there's some inclusion for African-Americans and Native Americans. I'm thinking about Native Americans because of Thanksgiving next week. You know, uh, I'm glad that people are sad enough, sense enough to have Indigenous People Day. That's one thing. But now there's another issue is they want some of the Native tribes and casinos to pay half the money to save the salmon. They didn't They didn't hurt the salmon. <laughs> they didn't build no dams, but anyway. So thank you all very much. And uh, I will check with you soon, Bob. And Lika, thank you for your time today too. I got to give these folks a shout out one more time before we go. And that is the City Sales Purchasing and Construction Services Office, the Sound Transit Office of Civil Rights, Equity and Inclusion, uh, the Port of Seattle's Diversity Contracting Office and SeaTac Bar Group, LLC. And uh, when is our next meeting, Bob? December 3rd? December the 1st. December 1st, National Association of Minority Contractors General Membership Meeting. Tune in, go to our website. Thank you all very much. Thanks, Eric. Talk to you later. <laughs>